This is a Charles Ruttenberg Realty Podcast, from Gulf Coast to Space Coast. This podcast is sponsored by Integrity Title and Guarantee Agency, LLC, where integrity is guaranteed. Hello, and welcome to the CRR Podcast Network, broadcasting from Ruttenberg Studios, the power station of real estate with the top players in the game. I am your host, Fred Hintenberger, the managing broker here in Clearwater, Florida. We're going to be discussing the warp speed that things changed and occurred in from 2020 to 2021. We essentially had years of changes that occurred within months, and it will change how we do business forever. Today, we have a very special guest, and he is the one and only, the CEO of Pro and CPRO. I want to welcome David Bennett. How are you doing today, David? And what are you doing to keep your head above waters? Yeah, thanks for asking, Fred. And um, thank you for having me today. Um, you know, our our world changed quickly. And uh, yours did too as a broker, managing broker. And so I think it's uh, it was kind of on us to uh, to lead the people that are uh, looking to us to uh, to move move the industry forward. So the same type of changes that we had the association you kind of had right here at home. And I know you guys were the leader in this. You guys took the first step while other boards were slow and dragging their feet. You moved, you collaborated with other boards, you provided education. You were one of the first ones to come up with Zoom videos. And I believe you were the one, one of the first ones that locked down the offices to protect the employees while other offices uh, kept things open. What else did you do to pivot during these times? Yeah, going back just a little bit on pivoting, um, we just were really, really in a great position. We had just ordered all the equipment necessary to do what we needed to do. So without that, um, just like today with this podcast, all the equipment that's in front of us today, uh, if you didn't have this in place, uh, it wasn't going to happen. So uh, we were in a great position. But yeah, it was really, really awesome to work with staff and leaders to kind of get moving really fast for members so that they didn't feel any drop between the day that we closed the building and the day that they needed their first class, um, that it would be a very similar experience other than just sitting together. It's kind of like you knew it was coming. That Zoom thing, the next day you switched it on. Yeah, scary. (laughs) Great job on uh, on doing that. And what changes are you seeing with agents? Are you seeing agents joining? You seeing agents going? You seeing new agents leaving and the people that are losing their job, or are they stopping and starting real estate as a business? Where do you see this uh, new membership base heading? Yeah, interesting. Um, so we got to the uh, about May of, of last year, and so we had a few months of COVID under our belt, and uh, we had the MLS billing go out. So right. that was going to be our first kind of telltale, uh, where are members at, where are brokers comfortable? And um, I think we ended up with like 92% renewal rate, which is an industry standard for the past 10 years. So we were in a really good place, but I think members by that time already knew that um, their business would be impacted, but not not so drastically that they couldn't survive. Right. And so um, that was an interesting kind of signal to us where we were going. That was excellent. I also noticed that you came out, and I don't know if it was coincidence, with monthly billing to help the uh, agents out. Is that helping out? Yeah, actually, it's a, it's been a great program with our flexible billing. Um, you know, not the easiest thing to roll out when you're used to annual uh, paying uh, and and having your 
your whole budget built around that, but uh, it's definitely helping the agent population. And then once they're on the program, it's just that simple monthly payment. It's like Netflix. Right. And where do you see this going with agents coming in here? You think we're going to explode again, or you think we're going to stabilize on membership numbers? Yeah. Well, from everything I'm seeing, um, it looks like we're going to keep going up. Um, I believe that the the kind of compression on unemployment and the job market is leading people to say, let me go find a business that I can be my own boss and I can kind of control my destiny. And so our membership numbers are actually up. They were up all the way through COVID every single month, except one month, I think in April, we were down just slightly. Um, but every single month we've been up and and even, even closely uh, into January and February, mm-hmm. um, our numbers are still headed up. Right. Outside, that's great news. And uh, heading into the lawsuit with DOG or DOJ and NAR. So when the uh, Department of Justice and the uh, National Association of Realtors came together on a mutual agreement, what did they agree to and how is this going to affect the agents doing business here on out? Yeah, great question. So uh, it's in a settlement process right now. So there's like a 60-day period of time that People can kind of weigh in, and so all kinds of industry leaders are weighing into this the settlement between the National Association and Department of Justice. Um, it concentrates around two things: uh, commission uh, transparency for the buyer side and lockboxes. And so you say, "Wow, how do we get to this type of thing?" Um, but I think it's kind of preemptive. I think people have been looking at this for years and saying, "How does the buyer side? How is this negotiated?" And so you've had lots of people. There's a current lawsuit right now out there um, that the buy side says, hey, I want to be able to negotiate that piece of the commission, right. even though they don't pay it directly. Interesting. Um, so that those are going to be the two focus of this uh, settlement. And so in the next probably 40, 45 days, they'll come out with a settlement and they'll have to pass it to NAR to vote okay. whether they're going to uh, accept that or go back to the negotiating table, if you will. Right. Uh, you said lockboxes. When you talk about lockbox, what do you mean? Are they going to have control over the lockbox or are we going to have to give up our right to the lockbox? Could you dive a little deeper into that? Sure, sure. It's not very sexy, but um, the uh, lockbox basically is has to be um, – the the access to lockboxes have to be given out to more than just realtor members. So if you're a licensee, um, you would have to have some kind of access code to properties. And so uh, this is all wrapped into this settlement agreement, uh, kind of a transparency thing, too, because you have agents that aren't members mm-hmm. that say, hey, I have a buyer, um, but I'm not in I'm not in the realtor world, so to speak. Right. And so we, we have to find a way to get them a lockbox access. Uh, and it could be, you know, a higher price point because they're not members and not paying the bills, if right. you know what I mean. So um, those two things, um, access to properties and then um for the buyer side to see that commission okay, and potentially negotiate it. We don't know that it, that will actually happen, but um, you might, you might have a buyer that says, Hey, I'd, I, I want to, I want to work with this seller to, uh, to deal with the commission structure. Right. So playing a little devil's advocate here, you have sellers that they don't want to let an agent that's not a realtor inside the house because they want to control the professionals that come into the house, are we going to have a waiver program if this is what the seller wants? Doesn't the seller really dictate this at the end of the day? 
Yeah, at the end of the day, the, um, the seller is really going to have to weigh in on how this process kind of happens um, because it's kind of you're kind of compelled as a realtor member to to get the property sold. And if that means using another agent that's a realtor member or an agent that's not a realtor member, you're kind of compelled to do the best thing for the customer. Uh, and that's in the code of ethics. And so um, going from that code is how how we look at the whole process. Okay. And the other thing that NAR came up with last year, they're the clear cooperation rule. So under this rule, how does this affect the tech companies that are getting into the game? Are they going to have to abide by the same rule as the realtor body? Absolutely. So anybody that gets into the business that becomes a broker, um, they're going to have to abide by the same rules that all realtor members abide by. And so going going back a little bit on, um, on the code – um, and going back to uh, NAR kind of promulgating this rule, um, remember that NAR is the realtor members voting. So when, when, we, when we say something about the National Association of Realtors, um, sure, there might be some lawyers or some staff members involved, but it really is the grassroots members that say, hey, this is a good policy for our, all the members across the nation. And it's a hard thing to do. But yeah, clear cooperation will have to uh, – in any player that comes into the field or space uh, as a broker, um, they have to abide by all the rules. So everybody will be on that kind of level playing field. Good, good. As far as uh, being the CEO of a big organization and one of the best well-run, you guys budget your monies, your financials are impeccable. With our government and their kind of spending ways, how do you see this playing out and how do you see our deficits and the central banks come in, and how do you see the interest rates going? I know you have relationships with some of the top economists and Brad O'Connor and all the other economists that you listen to. What are they saying on the money printing going on and how the real estate market's going to be impacted? Yeah, yeah. So super scary for me because uh, you see a big deficit and you know we all run our own businesses and even Panola's Realtor Organization, Central Pasco Chapter, um, you know, we have a balanced budget every year. It's compelled upon the members to do that. Um, the country can stand so much debt. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a trained economist, but um, I believe even the Economist magazine kind of praised some of the uh, relief acts that are in, in Congress now and some of them that uh, came before the CARES Act and said that they are good to stimulate the economy if the consumers who get these payments – uh, from the federal government actually spend them. And that, that was part of the problem. Some people that didn't need the money just put the money in their bank account and right. didn't spend it. So it didn't, it didn't prime the economy like, like uh, they thought it would. So um, I think that's what they're struggling with now is mm-hmm. to make sure that whoever gets this money, they, they spend it immediately. Right. So I think the top 30 economists in the country have all said that we can handle a portion of debt. Mm-hmm. What that exact amount is, I'm not a formally trained economist. Um, how much can we all handle? Right. Um, because at some point in time, somebody pays it back. <laughs> that exactly. you and I pay it back. So the payback comes in the form of interest rates because government gets money through mm-hmm. that and through taxes. And so at some point in time, we have to pay that pay that back. But uh, I think they can find a way that you know balancing. Um, you know, some of the tax structure right now, the wealthiest individuals are paying the least amount of taxes and the middle class and the lower income are paying more than they think they're paying actually. So I think if we, if we come up with a balance with that, we can kind of recoup that 
I just remember, um, you know, you're putting me in economist shoes right now, right. but I remember back a few administrations ago, the the tax on the wealthiest individuals, I mean, like the highest mm-hmm. wealth individuals in the country, they raised it by 3%. Right. And they got rid of our deficit, like, in a very short period of time. So it is very doable. And I think most of those people, um, I'm not claiming to be on one side or the other of right. this argument, but I think most of the high wealth uh, in our country They've all signed petitions saying, raise the taxes on me because uh, I have the money and we need to get our country back into shape. And so I give it to them uh, for looking out right. for everyone. And uh, But like I said, I'm not on one side no, of the right. argument. Yeah, you not. don't have any horse in this race. <laughs> well, and those are patriots. Only my salary and your right. salary is in the race. <laughs> <laughs> so, going back, you said something about stimulus. On the new stimulus program, what's in it for uh, real estate agents? Yeah, yeah. There were some really awesome things in it. Um, For the very first time uh, with the CARES Act, uh, our realtor members were able to get unemployment compensation, which was, we never had that ever. Uh, Even in the last downturn when our members needed it Mm -hmm. desperately, uh, it wasn't there because you guys don't work for someone directly like an employee-employer relationship where that unemployment tax is being paid. That's right. That's where the money comes from. Mm -hmm. So um, we had 53,000 uh, Florida realtors actually used that program, uh, which was very helpful to get it's up amazing. through that, that period of time. Like March and January, February, March was kind of a scary time. People didn't know what was going to happen Absolutely. in the business. So um, that's that's a really good area that uh, helped our members. And uh, even in the CARES Act, uh, we have the landlord money, uh, landlord and tenant funds that are coming. Um, and you asked me that question earlier, and I think it's probably within the next 35 days that They'll be able to get some applications. And so uh, consumers who have gotten behind in their right. rent, uh, we can get these landlords made whole and the tenants made whole and be able to get moving along so they're not buried under a big mountain of past rental payments. Right. Um, and remember, a lot of the landlords in, especially in our jurisdiction in Pinellas County, Tampa area, they're mom and pops. Mm-hmm. They own three to five units. Um, that could be apartment building or single-family homes, they're not big corporate conglomerates. But again, those people also have mortgages, right. uh, even the big corporations. And if they've had thousands of people not pay rent, there's a dramatic effect to our economy. Right, because that's so, the money that goes in and out, and yeah. those mom and pops are getting affected the most. And the last go-around, the stimulus and the PUA fund went directly to the tenants. And some of the tenants, instead of paying rent with that money, they bought new iPads and iPhone 12s. So I think this time around, with that money going back to the landlords, you feel pretty good on the forbearance. You feel pretty good with the landlords being able to sustain and keep their housing, or do you see an influx of homes coming back on the market and another crisis on hand? Yeah, if you look at our monthly stats and we send them out to the members, and I think you guys actually repost them for your agents, um, you know, the number of foreclosures really, really tiny since the last uh, market drop off. But um, there's a potential there. Uh, there are lots of people that haven't paid their mortgage payments, lots of people that owe rent. Um, so I'm hoping that some of the stimulus uh, will help in that area. And then it, it avoids some of the fraud that might have happened uh, previously. But you're always going to have a certain amount of fraud. You're going to have a landlord and a tenant conspire to do something somewhere. You know, you're going to have a certain amount of fraud in everything and waste, uh, whether it's Public or or government, you're just going right. to have a, a percentage that's going to be, and you have to know and understand that that just happens. It's going to be world. a loss, yeah. right? 
Uh, the other thing is that you do provide a lot of tools for the agents. And uh, right now, uh, Pro is one of the only few boards, C-Pro, that offer, we have a Pro Scholar program that offers training at a discounted fee. And even if uh, the agent, the realtor isn't with the our board here, we also offer a discount for pretty much all realtors out there, regardless of the board. Could you maybe talk about the Pro Scholar program, why they should take it, and what type of discounts and what type of uh, classes are available to them from NAR? Yeah, absolutely, Fred. It's been a great three-year. We've done it for three years now. Wow. And we offered it out to our members and secondary members. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's another tier that goes out to people who aren't members of Pinellas or or Central Pasco. Right. Um, But it's it's a very small bump up for them, Mm -hmm. uh, basically just trying to cover our costs. But the the big idea of the program was to get our members – um, as educated as possible in the transaction and all the facets of real estate, whether they've been in the business three months or 20 years, there's always something to learn. You and I learn things every day in, right. in this in this business. And so um, the further we could uh, push that education envelope for our members, the better. Yes. And um, we've had 6,300 plus members take, uh, out of our 10,000 members, take a class during COVID. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And uh, some of them are like the SIPS class where they can actually build a referral network during these. And pretty much the agents that are members of the board that are part of Pro and C-Pro, what, from what I understand, all they have to do is pay the NAR accreditation fee and you cover essentially the cost of the class, correct? Correct. So, yeah, for um, the um, CIPS class that you mentioned, mm-hmm. Certified International Property Specialist, um, basically the cost of the class is what we send NAR for them to, uh, to have that class. Um, they, there's a membership fee, but the, like you said, the network and referral business that mm-hmm. comes off of that, uh, membership fee for CIPS individuals, uh, is phenomenal. Um, I think it's about hundred, 112 bucks, but, um, you're networking with, uh, agents all across the world that have that designation. Um, and right now, right. When we can't necessarily visit everybody and um, it's a little little different situation, right. it's a great way for you to build your network of people across the country. Right. And uh, last year before COVID hit, you guys uh, started the international uh, program with international buyers and that would was put on ice. Are we going to bring that back in 2021, 2022 as an outreach program? Yeah, sure. I hope that by June we can get this thing licked. Uh, maybe a little, a little too fast, but um, yeah, we had three international trade shows, and um, they were they were really starting to show fruit for our members. We had never kind of played in that arena. Uh, we went to um, France, uh, United Kingdom, and also uh, Canada. And so, what we did mm-hmm. instead was, uh, like you mentioned before, we had this equipment in our lap, ready to go. We did uh, three or four inbound outbound right. trade missions. Right in the pro successful building. Successful ones. Very, very successful. Very successful. And they were super fun. We we had, uh, if we, when we met with the folks from Brazil, uh, mm-hmm. we were on the Zoom meetings about half the day. And then then someone from Brazil showed us a small cooking class or how you make your favorite cocktail in the U.S. And so they had mm-hmm. those sharing moments and kind of networking time uh, to make it a little fun. Nice. A little better than the donuts that are on your right. desk right now. I love donuts. I'm telling you that. Kept the uh, coronavirus out of my system. All them chemicals, I 
worked. I think it worked a little bit. <laughs> yeah, great. I wish I had done that. <laughs> so with the uh, tools Pro has to offer as well, you guys have a uh, savvy card and other tools. Could you explain some of these benefits to the agent body? Yeah, absolutely. They are uh, they're paid for by Pro. They're mm-hmm. included in your membership fee. Um, some people say, hey, these are free benefits, but they're included. There's a mm-hmm. cost to everything. Right. But Savvy Card, a great networking tool mm-hmm. that I think everybody should have. Um, it's a way for you to pass your information uh, to uh, consumers. Right. And I mean, we have we have some agents that have 20,000 uh, people in their Savvy Card database. Wow. And what would so, you say? It's like a digital business card? Yeah, a digital business card um, framed around all the properties in the MLS. Mm-hmm. So it acts as that kind of IDX on the fly also. Right. Um, but there are other tools that are available. Um, we also have HomeSnap, which yes. is in the multiple listing service. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember, you know, the multiple listing service is not some foreign body. Right. Um, we are the multiple listing service. Yes. Pro Pro owns a piece of it. Tampa owns a piece mm-hmm. of it. Orlando, Sarasota. So um, it's it's owned by the realtor members. Right. And so they need to take advantage of these tools. I think some of the tools in the MLS, um, you know, there's like 18% um, – Penetration. So only 18% of the members are using the tools. Right. And so uh, those people are, if we looked at them, they're probably very high on the success rate too. So those are great tools. Uh, we also have MO Viewer. So right. it's something we brought in right after COVID. It's a way for you to buy a camera and do your own virtual tour mm-hmm. and make sure that um, every every tool that uh, you can provide your agents right. um, is there. And again, it's included in the membership all you have to do is own that camera and you can put up mm-hmm. a first class virtual tour so that someone around the country or around the world can find that property and kind of get a sense of uh, what it looks like, feels right. like uh, in a virtual Especially tour. Especially nowadays, people can't get on the airplane. So these tools become very valuable. How do agents find the tools from you guys? Do, you, do they log into your homepage or is this on the Stellar MLS login page? Where do the agents find these tools at? Sure. We've made it really super easy. So you, as soon as you log into the Stellar dashboard, mm-hmm. uh, you can find about 90% of them there. And then a few of them are over on the Pro or CPRO website because uh, a, a few of them are Pro, exclusive. CPRO exclusive mm-hmm. that we had to pay the fee. Uh, one of those is Condo Plans. One of those is Savvy Card, uh, MO Viewer. Um, but those are all for members right. to get to. And it's as simple as the... MLS ID number and your right. password. Condo plans, pretty new. A lot of agents have no clue what that's about. What is, what does that offer the agents? Yeah, it's a m- most incredible program. Um, I wish we would have thought about it and done it. Um, but um, basically, a company in Canada, oddly enough, uh, came down to Florida and got all the plans for all the condo buildings they could find and pulled them into this one repository uh, website. Um, and Pinellas County was probably one of the hardest because we had the oldest set of buildings. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, but they have most of them. There are a few in the 70s and prior that they don't have. But it's really very easy. You log into the Stellar dashboard. You click on My Condo Plans, and it's only a it's a pro uh, member benefit. And you can look at each individual unit in that building or the entire building itself. And so if you want a northern face or a southern facing mm-hmm. condo in that particular building – you can go and look at all the units that right. have that feature. And that's, uh, that's important for a lot of people. And uh, thanks for sharing all the general health of the market. Let's uh, talk about your general health. How are you keeping, you're, you're so like mentally stable with everything 
going on and you're not losing it. So what do you do in your spare time to keep you at ease and normal and just functioning at 110%? What do you do for a hobby? Great question. We all kind of feel like trapped right now, (laughs) trapped in our homes. So uh, harder for me because I love to travel. And so uh, that's been the hardest thing probably this year is to say, hey, that trip you wanted to take and you've been saving up for, it's not happening this year. <laughs> so hopefully uh, we get to uh, get to a cure and get this uh, under right. our belt. But uh, I love to read. I love to travel. Um, I'm an avid horse rider, so mm-hmm. I love nice. to do that. And uh, just the opportunities are shrinking now <laughs> because being trapped. Right. Uh, and, and, and the travel space, uh, really hard to go somewhere and know that you can get back home within a reasonable amount right. of time because of lockdowns and such. Right. Well, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And uh, thanks so much, David, for- So besides uh, you know, donuts, yes. what is your favorite? Everything. What are you reading now? <laughs> what I'm reading is uh, I bump, my nose is on the uh, grindstone. I'm always working. So I'm tuning into a uh, podcast and uh, MP4 videos, and I'm trying to just- do it that way. That just seems to be my method right now. So I'm not, uh, haven't picked up a book in about a year, but that's probably one thing I'm going to start getting into and, uh, start getting back into the gym. It's been about 10 years, but it's going to come around pretty quick as things start to open. Uh, that's where you're going to find me. Sound body, sound mind. Sounds awesome. All right. Thanks Uh, for having me. Thank you, David. And, uh, appreciate everybody tuning in today. It's, uh, been amazing. Hope we see you more during our podcast. Tell your friends about us. Tell them we're taking it by storm. And you guys be safe. Stay strong.